you know, the only reason that I wanted to come back to your podcast w- was the fact that uh, when we ended last time, and I was all dizzy after an hour and 15, 20, whatever minutes of ranting and raving here, I actually called you by the wrong name. I, I mispronounced Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio in session. You mispronounced, you didn't, so you didn't call me Raheem or Salim. You call me Karim, which, which, is, which is cool with me. Um, I, I, had a, I had a guest on uh, many moons ago um, who I think had called me Amir. Um, and the first time the guest said it, um, I thought I misheard. I said, did, did he? And so I didn't want to correct him. So I said, let me listen to this. Let me listen to him and make sure that I, I did not mishear him. And so he said Amir two more times. And I think he even said, thank you, Amir, for having me on. <coughs> and so um, I, I never corrected him. And so I had to, that's the first time I ever had to edit a, a podcast. What I do is I'll snip the beginning, I'll snip the end, and, and it's nice. I'll put a little bit of music on the front. Uh, and then away we go. But I actually had to listen to it, and every time he said my name, I I had to snip that 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 part out. Okay, but you left in at the end of the podcast where I called you. I I called you Karim. And did I correct you as well? Then no, you didn't. You left it in. You left, yeah. You, you had me calling you by the wrong name, <laughs> and I know I know you say okay, that's all right, whatever it is, I'll I'll, I'll take it. That's my name, but no. That's not how you pronounce your name. <laughs> Just because it's good enough Say for you doesn't mean it's good enough for me. So I I left here uh, a, a, a little bit confused. No, no. bad for no, the fact no. that we had this great conversation and I couldn't even get the pronunciation of your name right. What is the pronunciation of your name? The way I pronounce it is Kareem Kanji. Um, some people will say Kanji, and I'm cool with that. Uh, my brother's nickname is the Kanj. Um, although, if you ask my wife, uh, my brother, my sister, my mom, my name, they will say with a slight smile, Karim. And I don't call myself Karim. I don't call myself Karim. I call myself Kareem. And so whenever they say my name, what I would determine as incorrect, um, I always correct them. So even if my mom says, Karim, come here, I say it's Kareem. And I, it's, it's a default. I don't, even, I don't even think of saying it. It just comes out of my mouth. So, uh, um, so you know, y- you called me. It was a pronunciation of my name. It was a pronunciation. Yes, it, okay. was, it was a version <laughs> of my name, and, and that was cool with me. And... Um, you know, I'm known to to not, to very seldomly listen to my own podcast because I, I just think my voice sounds really really strange. Um, so if I did correct you and I didn't take that out, um, I didn't need to call you out on that. It's just a default mechanism of mine. No, it was me, right? Yeah. I, I come from the world. It wasn't of me. It was you. <laughs> print journalism. They they ingrain it in your head in yeah. journalism school if you spell a name wrong of a person place or thing 
it's an automatic failing grade. So mm. everyone who went to journalism school walks around feeling guilty whenever they end up getting a name wrong because uh, yeah. uh, from the start of their career, they were told that it was the worst thing that you could possibly do. So uh, I came back to see you at the Pacific Junction Hotel to make up for the fact that I couldn't pronounce your name right last time. Now, I thought the worst thing would be to plagiarize in journalism. Yeah, that, 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 that's, that's pretty terrible, too. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the assumption is that you're not you're going not to going do to. that, even though we see incidents happening more and more. But you know, really, look, I, I'm invited on to your podcast. The least I could have done was confirm is... how to pronounce your name. Well, like, how difficult can that be? There you go. Say my name. Kareem. <laughs> I just wanted to say that. Okay, welcome. Well, well yeah, exactly. Like the show says, welcome back, uh, Mark, to uh, uh, to the show. And um, I'm going to make you do this again. Is 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 is? In- I know you did it the first time we were on. You said May. Is that when I had you on back in May? Yeah, early May. Wow, it was seems- a real rainy day. Just, that's right. You had your. You had your umbrella. And, and tonight, here we are. It's the middle of July. The sun is still up here yeah. after dinner time. People are out on patios, walking around, having fun, soaking up what's left of the sunshine. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting here in this steamy little booth trying to solve the problems <laughs> of the world. We're doing the important work, Mark. Uh, I, I can't believe that this is our idea of fun. But that's, hey, we, we found each other, right? That's, <laughs> that's why we get paid the big yeah, bucks. The, the two guys in, in the whole town who are <laughs> considering this uh, something to do tonight. Yeah. And and I think we'll, we'll come out better for it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wanted to, to come here uh, mm-hmm. to talk about uh, uh, my newsletter, 1236. Yeah. Toronto's Daily News Burrito, which comes out every day at 12.36 p.m. Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday. Yeah, most yeah. most Monday Most to Mondays Friday. to Fridays. <laughs> Mondays to Fridays. A bit of a scattered schedule through the summer, but uh, uh, hopefully uh, anyone who subscribes uh, finds out uh, uh, everything you need to know, according to me, mm-hmm. now, based on uh, uh, scanning social media, uh, all the different publications out there, absolutely anything. If it corresponds with uh, uh, Toronto interests, uh, things happening in Canada or the, or the world as a whole, uh, I put it together into what we call Toronto's Daily Lunchtime Tabloid. And I, I think what is a unique and unusual media property has uh, still some distance left to go, working mm-hmm. with uh, uh, St. Joseph Media and uh, we, we have some potential plans for fall that will take this brand in a few different directions. There you go. So just like fall brings us new TV series, I'm, I'm looking forward to, I don't know if it's going to be a Netflix special. <laughs> more, more likely more podcasting. podcasting. But, but the flagship product, the 1236 newsletter, uh, whatever happens to it, we're committed to this idea of putting this thing out. Nice. And and, and I, I satisfied my dream here, what I wanted to do, to be the definitive column of its kind yeah. for a, 
readership around the greater Toronto area and the place where certain subjects are, are covered that, that no one else is caring about, at the same time being a lens on the media and, mm-hmm. and, and thinking about what everybody else is doing and, and, and reflecting uh, what, the, what the readership is interested in uh, and, and, and letting them see it uh, uh, back in their face you yeah. know, in, in one package every day that they can soak up and take in uh, and, and understand this state of, of the wacky world that we're in. Nice. Which keeps getting wackier. You might have it noticed. Does. It does. It, it does. It does. And, and I remember you gave me a lot of homework this weekend. You know, Was it really that bad? Was it, it, no, really it was so overbearing? <laughs> because, because a lot of it relates to the topic that I wanted to discuss with you here today. Yes. Right? Which really comes down to... Uh, identity politics and mm-hmm. where we see ourselves reflected in, in, in pop culture, journalism, media, broadcasting, whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, I wanted to get into the fact that you recently uh, stepped into the, the lion's den, News Talk 1010. Yeah. Suddenly <laughs> you're, you're in their Rolodex, their guest list as, yeah. as one of those personalities who comes in and, and speaks on a panel uh, on the on the morning show with with John Moore, right? Yeah. You had uh, Jerry Agar hovering around you, he, right? He, he, he literally was, does hover because he yeah, stands when he's on the. I, air. I guess he's read all those articles about how uh, sitting too much can kill you. He doesn't want his life cut short <laughs> by, by staying in a chair. Yes, a- and uh, so you've been on a few times now, right? Two or three. I've been times? on three times. Number four will be this Friday if everything works out. Okay, so so here you are finally a mainstream yes. media <laughs> personality. It doesn't really take much, and let's face no. it, mo- most people who hear you on there have no recollection of what you were talking about, right? It's no. just like, hey, I heard you on the radio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sounded good. You know, you asked them what what you talked about. I I, 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 I don't remember. Yeah, I don't I'm, I'm really actually shocked recall. by the people that tell me they heard me because I look at them and I go, you didn't strike me as a 1010 listener. You know, I, I thought maybe you'd be a CFRB guy. Sorry, CFRB. I thought you'd be a CBC person. Um, so it's, it's interesting the number of people that have come up to me and said, you were on uh, 1010 in the morning. But do they remember what you said? Do they no, have any no, memory of no, what they, it was about? No, they, 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 they do not. It's I mean, it's, it's morning radio, right? So it's they're, they're busy getting ready for work. They're busy driving to work. They are not, you know, they're, they're not listening um, with the intent on really learning anything, they're listening because it just happens to be on. That's that's my thinking of of morning radio. I mean, we in in our house, you know, we listen uh, to Matt Galloway on CBC Radio, um, and he'll be talking about something, and I'll be at the breakfast table eating, and my wife will ask me a question, and I go, "Sir, I, I wasn't listening." I mean, it's, the radio's right behind me. And it's on, and I can hear it, but I'm not actively listening. It's it's like that hum, you know, in in, in the background. Not to say that that's what I consider Matt Galloway, um, but you know, that's that's morning radio because you're just busy making sure that you leave at whatever time you need to to get your kid to a summer camp or to catch a bus to get to the office on time to beat traffic. You know, there's so many things going on. Okay, well, yeah. well, let's get down to the fact. Let's do that. Uh, yeah. There are not a whole lot of people with your name on commercial talk radio. No. You, you hear the name yes. Kareem Kanji yes. on News Talk 1010, and you think, this sounds a little bit different, right? There, 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 there haven't been so. a lot of guys named Kareem on talk radio before. 
And and no. what I came here to talk about with you is 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 what we've been uh, finding is a a dominant theme in the media discourse, especially around Toronto this mm-hmm. past spring into the summer, uh, which is the topic of representation, right? And whether or not uh, 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 the mass media, as we know it, yeah, whatever remains of it. Is, is is adequately and accurately reflecting uh, uh, the current state of the population. So I, I, I came here wanting to ask you about uh, whether growing up in Toronto, you, you, you ever felt that you were uh, alienated from the voices you were hearing? When no. When you were uh, uh, tuning hmm. into the radio, television, newspapers, you know, did, did, did it ever bug you? That uh, uh, the media had had a face and a voice and names that didn't reflect your own. You know, I do remember Sunil Joshi on on CFTO TV doing. I, re- I remember that name and I remember that face, and he was the first that I can remember um, brown um, as opposed to black person um, on my TV. Um, and I had never seen that. Um, but when it came, but I, it, it was nothing that I w- would watch television or I'd listen to the radio and, and I would ask myself, where is the brown voice? Where is the brown person, you know, speaking about my experience? Because uh, for all intents and purposes, uh, my experience is, uh, is Canadian. I, I don't remember being anywhere else traveled all over the place okay but, but you weren't bo- you weren't born in canada no 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 no. so my my parents were uh, born in east africa uh in in uganda um they in in the early late 72 early 73 had to leave um also oh, it had to have been late 72 um had to leave uganda because there was a dictator there idi amin um who expelled you know, so you got to leave. If you know all the South Asians, um, all the Asians had to leave the country literally immediately. Um, so if you had a business, you had no time to sell it. Um, if you had stuff, you had no time to pack it. You just had to leave. And um, you know, so my parents left, went to England, where my dad had gone to school, and I believe his older brother uh, had started developing roots there already. Um, and, and I was born there. So, you know, my mom was pregnant with me, uh, was born in Uganda in November uh, of 72. And, uh, and then we, a few months later, we came here. Um, you know, so when people ask me, you know, what are you? Um, they don't ask me anymore, funny enough. But um, I remember being asked, you know, and then I would say Canadian. And they go, no, 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 no. Before then, I said, my parents are from Africa. Oh, but you're brown. No, no, no. Before then, because they want to, they want to say, okay, brown people don't come from Africa. They come from India, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, and you know other places like that, because that's what they have in in their mind. And um, I don't have the time nor the energy to educate them about, you know, there's these things called boats and planes and cars, and we can literally go wherever we want now. Okay, but but as long as you could talk and walk, yeah, uh, you have identified as a Canadian dude. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I have. I have. This year, um, you know, not as proud um, as, as other years um, or, or as before. But yeah, absolutely. 
why aren't you as proud anymore? What what, um, what has changed at I, this point? I think, I think what has changed is my awareness of people's experiences uh, living, in, living in Canada. Um, and, and I think that's directly tied to this project here, this podcast that I call Welcome. Um, you know, I've, I've had the opportunity, because all I have, Mark, is, is my experiences. And my experience are, 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 are very narrow when you compare it to the, the number of diverse experiences that are in this multicultural city we call Toronto. And so I've had now the opportunity, you know, my wife has a coworker that is Aboriginal um, and she's had an opportunity to get to know her well um, and have conversations with her um, about, you know, what does Canada 150 mean? Um, and, and to my wife's co-worker, it, it's just another uh, reason to leave the big city and go somewhere where there isn't a quote-unquote celebration. Because to Aboriginals, from my understanding of listening to them, they don't see this as a celebration. They see this as another anniversary of, you know, and, and I don't want to put words into anyone's mouth, but the way that I would phrase it is, you know, here's another anniversary of their their land their their ability to use the land being taken away their children being put into residential schools um you know this is an anniversary of not having clean water um you know there's there's so many other things that when you take a look at it go holy shit you know in 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 canada we actually have places where you can't get drinking water um we have places where um kids are committing suicide because that's their only way out. Um, you know, we are just getting out of residential schools. Um, and if you talk to some Abor Aboriginals, there's still a legacy of residential schools happening to this day where social services comes and takes kids away from their families. Um, so I've become a mo more aware because of this podcast, because of me reaching out and saying, you know what? When Black Lives Matter, I tried like heck to get somebody on. And I got Desmond Cole, and we were able to talk about that uh, and about all these issues um, that him and his experience face. Okay, but, but what you're willing to admit here yeah. in your mid-40s is that the, the, these intersections were not ingrained, right? That, that, that you coming from uh, uh, the perspective of being uh, maybe a, a little bit of an outsider relative to uh, uh, white Canadian society, yeah. you know, that, that, that doesn't necessarily mean that you understood what everybody else was going through. Uh, that you Correct. got to this point in life where, where it just didn't come up. No, it, it didn't. I, I had no clue about carding. I had no clue about any of this stuff. I just was worried about me and my problems and what I needed to do uh, you know, to, to, to get ahead. Um, I don't know if I was consciously or subconsciously selfish, but that was Kareem. And that's, where, that's how and where I grew up. So, so you would say that all the social media noise that has, has brought these topics to the surface, mm -hmm. right? Because let's face it, without social media, we wouldn't know uh, a whole lot about uh, these these uh, indigenous experiences. I think we'd be less aware. Absolutely. I agree uh, with you. A lot has, has come to the surface this year, I, yeah. I think, and, and, and it's put some pressure on the mainstream mass media to start you know, reflecting diverse uh, points of view, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, and that extends uh, across the board a lot of different topics. Uh, but, but there's also the fact that there's been a whole lot of cry-bullying 
that has led to <laughs> us uh, getting at this point, right? Mm. Where, where, where there's been uh, a, a whole lot of chatter online, you know, uh, uh, constant attempts to virtue signal and uh, people trying to build their brands based on the idea that, you know, the, the, the media establishment is out to lunch. You know, it's full of all sorts of perspectives that are too old and too white and too colonial. Uh, you know, you you can you can pick uh, you know, what, whatever adjective you want, right? And 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 a lot of this backlash is driven by the idea that if 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 certain people get out of the way, right, then mm-hmm. then we'll have a whole bunch of new voices come in. Um, and, and they'll be able to take over, and they'll be able to be the establishment, and, and, and they will hold every attitude to account, right? Every every thought that's ever been wrong in the history of Canada, mm-hmm. you know, will 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 be corrected if we if we only you know dismantle the the hierarchy that's currently in charge of things, and 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 that's where you know, the pushback has started to come from. That's where we had Jonathan Kay writing a. Uh, a lengthy article in the National Post about his experiences in stupid Twitter land uh, and, you know, not being able to express yourself like you used to because there, there's always going to be somebody coming down the pike, yeah. you know, to wag their finger at you and tell you why you're wrong. And, you know, the, the, the pers- perspective is uh, the perception uh, from from certain circles is is that a lot of this is having a, a a negative effect on on the arts and letters and you know the ability of people to express themselves is being hindered be, because you're always worried about that next person coming around the corner you know to scold you about something uh, and, and that in the process you know not only are we you know, ending up with all these ridiculous Twitter battles. Uh, but but uh, a lot of voices out there are, are at risk of being censured, right? Uh, if if uh, you say something that, that doesn't fit with uh, whatever uh, is, is is trendy at the moment, you know, whatever's uh, fitting into this uh, social justice orthodoxy, you mm-hmm. know, if you if if you do anything that diverts from that, uh, you're asking for trouble. Mm-hmm. You could lose your job. And uh, I, I guess the, the, the main uh, uh, example that was brought up by Jonathan Kay and the thing he wrote was Nikki Ashton running for the NDP leadership uh, and the fact that she dared to quote Beyonce uh, yeah, and, uh, so was called out for it. So wh- what did you think of that incident? I, I, well, I, I, there's a lot of things I think about when it came to reading this article. Um, so, so number one, I, I think that it's interesting that it's okay for someone like a Jonathan Kay and Jonathan Kay himself to have a platform um, where they can opine, but for someone to use Twitter to opine, it's now an attack on on, on him, and it's an attack on on media, and it's an attack on free speech. Well, the same. Um, Free speech that Jonathan Kay has is is is, is the same, you know. To to write in uh, the National Post is the same free speech that um, someone has to go on Twitter and say that I disagree, you know, with you and your points that you made about you know this that or the other. Well, when it came to the Nikki Ashton thing, I, I I found it very interesting that he used that as an example. You know, Nikki Ashton. Um, you know, who's running for leadership of the NDP party uh, in Canada, 
um, you know, uses a Beyonce line. Uh, and um, I can't remember which quote unquote chapter of, of Black Lives Matter that had an issue that was from Vancouver. Black Lives Matter Vancouver, let's call him that then. Um, you know, said, you know, appropriating black culture. But let's stop there and let's and let's look at that. Number one, um, it's an opinion that Nikki Ashton appropriated black culture. Number two, I personally would disagree. I don't think it's appropriating. I think she's just quoting someone that just happens to be of a different skin color. That, now, that's Kareem's opinion. Doesn't make Kareem's opinion right. Doesn't make it wrong. Just makes it an opinion. Black Lives Matter Vancouver saying that is exactly the same thing. Doesn't make it right. Doesn't make it wrong. Doesn't make it anything except it makes it an opinion. What Nikki Ashton did was take it as truth. She interpreted it as, okay, fine. You know, now there might have been political reasons. I would I would guess, being the quasi-cynical person I am, that, yeah, maybe there was some thought about it's better not to fight this battle. It's better to fight another battle and get these guys on my side because I'm going for this leadership that she wants, right? Um, and for Jonathan Kay, who I believe is smarter than other people might think he is, to use that as his lead, I thought was lazy. Um, I thought was disingenuous. Um, and he should know better. But because the National Post um, will publish him, he's able to, quote-unquote, get away with it because people say, oh, he's writing for the National Post. He must know what he's talking about. Okay, but but here we're, we're hearing endlessly every single day about the fact that uh, the newspaper isn't what it used to be, right? There's sure. been cutbacks and layoffs yeah. and buyouts and yeah. uh, uh, the interest in what any one publication has to say about anything has diminished so much mm -hmm. over the years. And and yeah. uh, the way uh, uh, to bring that back in theory is is to put more effort into what they're putting out there. But you know, more and more we're just seeing. Uh, cheap, lazy opinion columns and you know, roundups about what people are talking about on social media. Not, not a whole lot of heavy thinking, right, in, into what passes no. uh, uh, for mainstream mass media these days. Uh, but, but are we not allowed to laugh at a, a, a situation uh, like Nikki Ashton, right, re referring to this Beyonce lyrics, to the left, to the left? From the song Irreplaceable, that's what she was referring to. Yeah. She was talking about her own policies <laughs> to, you know, bring uh, the NDP back to its socialist roots, yeah. to the left, to the left. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Trying to uh, uh, hit a nerve as far as uh, pop culture is concerned, mm -hmm. reference something that a lot of people have heard about. You know, this is music that's made by the masses, the yeah. producers of, of uh, uh, this song in particular. I, I think they're Norwegian. Uh, I don't for know. a couple guys uh, producing under the name Stargate. You know, it, it makes me think about the fact that you know, when I was uh, getting started in this whole journalism racket, right, uh, uh, the main thing that I was focused on writing about, pop music, mm -hmm. uh, uh, mostly uh, recording artists who happened to be black because <laughs> that's what was uh, uh, taking shape at that time, right? It was an uh, offshoot of the whole hip-hop industry where mm -hmm. there were a lot of uh, 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 more popular artists 
bubblegum music, you yeah. know, mostly aimed at adolescents. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, and back then I had the opportunity to uh, uh, show off a little bit of expertise in what was going on. And, and for, for, for a couple years of my life, this was like the main thing that I was thinking about, that I was consumed with, all these different uh, producers and, and, and writers and uh, uh, managers, you know, who, who were involved in this world of pop music. And, and, and I reflect on where things are going now. And the fact that you know uh, constantly people are being called out uh, uh, for for not uh, accurately uh, uh, representing the interests of of, of certain uh, points of view perspectives, right? That sure. that pop culture writing uh, uh, somehow needs to uh, reflect the person who's who, who's creating the the product mm -hmm. and making the art, and you you don't you don't have a right to criticize it if you're not from the same background of mm. the people that you're writing about. So so in retrospect here, 20 years later, I, I look back with a, a little bit of wistfulness at the fact that I, I, I wouldn't be able to get away with doing that today. I, that, that, that there would be too much of a backlash. I, right, I, that if I made a joke, <laughs> if I if I made a joke about somebody like Beyonce, yeah. who you know, for the most part is a, a pretty ridiculous kind of celebrity between her and Jay Z, yeah, you know, a, a lot of the stuff that they're doing and whatever they they stand for, I mean, it, it, it's it's mostly just capitalism. You know, it's sure. it, it's exploiting you know, whatever they can to try and make a buck making millions and billions and beyond. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but but to be somebody who in a little free newspaper would make a snarky comment about these things, the, 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 the backlash wouldn't let me. I wouldn't be allowed to be a critic about this stuff. Maybe. Maybe. And, and well, so, what do you mean maybe? Well, because no, I, I see online all the time, you know, the suggestion that you're, you're, you're only allowed to talk about certain things if, if you somehow reflect the experience of what you're writing about. So whether that's a skin color or religion or a, a shared point of view, you know, that you have some sort of intersection with the, with the art that you're, you're commenting on. But no, you, you think I, I'm being a little extreme in the way that I see it? Um, I think so. I, I, I don't, you know, no one's ever, no one's ever gone and complained. Well, I shouldn't say that. So here's, here's the thing. We all, have, you know, with, with social media, specifically, you know, the Twitters of the world and, and Facebook and everything else, but, you know, Twitter not being a walled garden, you can, you can go and see it even if you don't have an account. I think with all of these things, online forums, on Reddit, in in in, in uh, you know comment sections of online newspapers, it's so easier now for you and me to flip open our laptop, to uh, to swipe across our phone, and to leave a comment. Years ago, we had to go find a pen, and we all know you. Everyone loses pens. You had to find a pen. You had to find a nice lined paper. Uh, you know, what's it called? What's it called? Hillroy? Hillroy. Yeah. Hillroy paper. You, you had to find uh, an envelope, and they never sell envelopes one at a time. You had to buy a, a, a batch of them. Um, and then you had to find a, a 50 cent stamp. Um, and, you, you know, that, that's another topic in and of itself. And then you had to write to the editor. So you had to find a freaking address to write to. So you had to get a newspaper and, you know, flip through it to figure out, you know, where is, you know, the Toronto Star. Um, and then you had to write to the editor. And then you'd sent it in. You had, you had to, no, you had to go and find a mailbox or a post office. Um, and I'm old enough to remember where my local post office was. Um, but now it's so much easier 
to voice an opinion and it's so much more acceptable to be someone that has an opinion. If you and I were born in the 40s or 50s and we grew up in the 60s where if you weren't, you knew somebody who was marching somewhere. Um, today, that's now gone digital. Now, I'm not saying that every single person is marching for something socially good, but now the opportunity for no matter what your position is on politics, um, on, on social issues, uh, on economics, on who your favorite sports team is or your favorite musician or music, or whatever the case may be, you now have a place where even if you've got no one following you and you're following no one, where you can tweet out something. So that's all noise now that we can see. Before, when you were writing for iMagazine, they might not have written to you, but they were writing to your editor most probably. Oh, well, not really. No, because because <laughs> because it was popular culture, right? And, and and the presumption was that it existed for everyone. Uh, and and Fair uh, enough. now we're at a point, you know, where where you have to have uh, certain permissions in order to express an opinion about things. Look at the way that people reacted to this Wonder Woman movie that came out. At the beginning of the summer, right? I mean, I, I mean, you know, they they would find all sorts of things that were problematic. She wasn't strong enough. She was too strong, or I, I saw everything. Stuff. I mean, you know, you you the the way that it was being picked apart. It's like you needed a multiplex with like different versions of the same movie, but right? Listen, listen. One in which Wonder Woman was Israeli. One in which she was Palestinian. One in which she was hey, transgender. Did you did you watch Spider Man: The Home 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 Homecoming? Spider-Man Homecoming? No, I, I missed that one. I'm not big on these superheroes. There you go. Movies. I've got an 11-year-old, so I, I go to almost all the Marvel. <laughs> You're the expert NBC. in the room. Yeah. And so I, it was it was amazing. So so the last episode, um, I had uh, Simu Liu. I, th- and I, I am so sorry if I've mispronounced that. Uh, but him and I were talking about, um, you know, Asians on, on TV. One of the things that we were talking about was that in the, we talked a bit about uh, Hawaii, Hawaii Five O, and, and uh, a couple of Asian actors quit uh, because they weren't paid at the same rate as their white co-stars uh, were. Um, and you know, so one of the things that that we were talking about, you know, was was this issue. And one of the things that I found um, am- amazing was that we're used to Flash being a big, huge white guy with blonde hair. Well, Flash in Spider-Man Homecoming was a brown dude. Um, we're used to MJ being uh, black, straight black hair, beautiful white girl. I couldn't tell what MJ's ethnicity was. There was a mix there. Um, Peter's best friend uh, was a Asian. Um, his quote-unquote um, love interest... Uh, in the movie was black and it occurred to me that's new york city that's 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 what a new york city supposed to look like right so when i saw that it was amazing um you know when i saw um what was that marvel show on netflix that came out before iron fist um oh my goodness it was all all, all of the black actors were were in that one um, but they were all black actors, one white guy. And 
when I watched it, it was so apparent to me that there's no white people in this movie, right? And so when we're talking about pop culture, one of the things that people were complaining about with Iron Fist is why was the main character white? And some people argued, well, the main character in Iron Fist was always a white guy in the comics. And other people complained was it doesn't have to always be that way. Um, and so Spider-Man Homecoming, it was obvious to me when I looked at it, go, I said to myself, they've actually on purpose put in people from different backgrounds, right? And so when I saw that and when I see that today, I recognize it and I see it. Other things, there, there's other people with amazing podcasts in Toronto, around the country, um, different shows on the radio, on TV. And I recognize when it's, for me, too white. I recognize when I see people of color, right? You pointed out um, that movie that recently came out with the Indian actor and a, a, a white girl. And people are complaining about... Yeah, the big sick. The big sick. This is a true life story. And people are writing articles about... You know, why does the brown guy or the black guy always want to get the white girl? And that was on the website Jezebel, right? And and so here was a, a, a long rant. Uh, I think it, it, it did its part to get a lot of social media sharing out of it. I mean, uh, really, it all comes down to the headline, right? In, mm -hmm. that, in that case, what was the headline? I'm, I, I'm, uh, I'm tired of watching brown men uh, fall in love with white women on screen. Listen, my, my brother like me, happens to be brown. His wife happens to be a brunette. And, you know, for me to give that article to him and say, hey, listen, you know, Jezebel says that you're not supposed to, uh, uh, you know, be married to this girl and that kid that you have, you know, uh, you got, you, that, that you don't, didn't you read the article? You know, uh, Mark, everyone now has the ability to have an opinion you know whether it's okay, on... but the the opinion only matters yeah. if enough people amplify it, right? The the signal has to be boosted in but order everyone is, to everyone mean is anything. boosting the sig Everyone's boosting that, right? So so if I so whether I write or not, um, I've got the ability to share. And so if I'm that person that loves to share and and send and like and, and all of that stuff, I'm gonna do that. So I don't think that um, social media signals should mean much because okay, that's but, but, but that's consider that consider are. the fact that a generation ago mm -hmm. uh, who would have been writing an article like that i don't want to see mixed race relationships no, in the movies that would, would have been something written by a grand master of the ku klux klan but because everyone can write and everyone can publish and it's so easy to get a wordpress up it, it costs you a couple of bucks to, to buy a domain name um you know you, you can figure out with with a wordpress or a a square space, how to get ads up and stuff, and boom, you now have a publishing site that you can make some Google ad revenue now. Okay, but but in the case of that commentary, right, it, it yeah. came from a reputable outlet, you know, something that uh, that a lot of people are already subscribed to and showing up in their feeds, and 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 I wondered, you know, how do you how do you respond to that then, right, as a as a brown guy. You know, it's a true seeing story. a commentary, I, I realize that, <laughs> but but still, it's it, it's it, it's creating this outrage, or at Listen, least it's an opportunity well, for somebody to state a case that you 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 shouldn't represent the, these types of relationships at the expense yes. of of showing you know people uh, with with their own kind. Yes. So I've seen 
Um, you know, so, so again, number one, it's this writer's opinion on a quote-unquote reputable site, right? Um, and again, that's a commentary on entertainment. But at the same time, we would complain that, you know, why is this, why, why are all couples white? You know, so there's like, you got on the one side, there's too much white. On the other side, thank goodness there's a mix, but we'd like the mix to be a little bit different. Why couldn't it be a white guy going after an Indian girl? You know, and then they'll say, oh, you know, why does the white guy go after the Indian girl? And, and so there's always a, a, a place where you can complain. And I'll agree with you on this, that media, these media platforms are continuously looking for ways to stay relevant. And the way you stay relevant is you need to be making a lot of money. And the way you make a lot of money is you need to have fancy headlines that are, that are going to get this click traffic. And as long as you and I are clicking on these headlines, we're giving writers like this and sites like this, they take a look at it and they take a look at, like you say, these social signals and they say, you know what? That article, that got a lot of traffic. Let's write another one. Okay, but the, the writers and editors and producers of this stuff, yeah, they're saying their intentions are pure. They're saying they're the guardians no. of, of, of what's good. You know, yeah. they're they're taking the 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 perspective here, right? That that by calling out a Hollywood studio for perpetuating this impression, you know, for giving this idea that <laughs> that you know a, a a a blonde white woman is is an ideal that everybody that every man wants to go for. No, uh, that they're contributing to the <laughs> deterioration of society. You're not buying it. You don't believe it. No, because so, my, so my... when you look at this, you just yeah, you're saying in your own family, my own family, my my, my sister married a black American. Uh, my brother married a, a white girl. You know, you know, to to quote a John Lennon from the sticks. You know, up 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 in Ripley, and we've now have a a, a mixed family, and it is so amazing. And the amazing thing is, is now I get to learn about life outside of Kareem's bubble, right? So I get to learn from, um, uh, you know, from my brother-in-law, Irvin, about being black in America, being black in Canada. I can learn about carding firsthand, right? I can learn about, you know, small town Canada, talking to my brother and his wife that, you know, not all small, small town Canada is racist. You know, my brother was the only brown guy growing up in North Bay when he went to school there. Um, and he's got lifelong friends now from university that continually hang out together um, because he had a different experience than most people growing up all their lives in the city. And what we think about people that live where there's lakes and trees and bears and not streetcars and subways and buses, right? So, um, you know, one of the great things about what I do with this show is the ability to learn, right? So I, I get to bring on uh, a, a Jay Soul, a.k.a. Chippewar, you know, and talk to me about indigenous issues from his perspective. I get to bring on um, Irvin Venzant, my brother-in-law, and talk about being black. Um, I get to choose what my guests look like an experience right so i i get to i get to sit down in february before february so you know what it's gonna be black history month in february i want black people to come and talk about black experiences because i want to learn more and i am wanting to teach 
not teach others, but I want other people to say, hey, here's a place where you can come and you can learn about something. And I'm not afraid at all to get really uncomfortable with myself. Jay Soul, in, in, if you listen to that podcast, called me out, you know, for talking about something really deep and then trying to veer into talking about him. And he didn't appreciate it. And he didn't mind telling me. And I didn't mind not ever editing that out. Because for me, that was a learning experience for me. And, and no big deal. You know, when my friend who I've known for years, I go on Facebook and I see he's in a relationship with another guy. There's no way that Ali Hirji could be gay. When did this happen? I messaged him. I say, we need to talk in a podcast. And I said, you know what I'm going to talk to you about? He says, no, I said, I'm going to talk to you about being gay. I want to talk about you being a Muslim gay soldier in Canada. Only in Canada can you go on Facebook and say, I'm Muslim and I'm gay and I'm in the Canadian forces. Right. And so we had a great conversation and I told him, listen, I might ask you some stupid stuff, but as long as you're okay with it, I'm okay with it because I'm learning. This is no big deal. Okay, but you but know? what we what we're finding now on Twitter is, yeah. is is this growing intolerance for for any admission that you, that you're not totally woke, right? Any indication that that you already don't have uh, all all the language sorted out uh, to relate to absolutely everyone, right? Means that you must be shamed and humiliated at, at all costs. In the in the Toronto Star yes. a few weeks ago. Uh, uh, this woman that does a, a column, it's a ridiculous thing they do in the life section. It's called The Dish, right? And the whole idea Entertainment, is that, right? The uh, dish? Uh, no, in, in this column, they, they measure the, the calorie count in, in, oh, in fast food restaurants. <laughs> yeah, the di- but it's, it, yeah, it's called The Dish, and it's actually about dishes. Yes, yes, yes. And, and so, so anyway, uh, uh, one of the installments was about measuring uh, h- how many calories you found inside a chicken roti. Yeah. And uh, the columnist, uh, Megan Ogilvy, made a video where she talked about the roti, and she made the mistake of pronouncing it roti. And in the process, uh, we ended up with what became known as Rotigate. Rotigate. Uh, people who were saying that the Toronto Star didn't have a diverse enough newsroom that anyone would catch this fact. Uh, h- how could you get the pronunciation of this wrong? And they extended it to, to the fact that she was recommending, and this is usually the joke of the column, right? She was saying, like, there were so many calories in this roti that you're better off yeah, cutting it in half. That that's a conclusion of almost every one of these columns. Yeah, and 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 she was being called culturally insensitive because she didn't understand that uh, uh, the cultures uh, that enjoy their roti uh, uh, like the fact that it's as large as it is, and it's not your right to shame those people who have considered for generations this much food in one sitting to be appropriate for a meal. So this was a little bit ridiculous. It was the kind of thing I cover in the 1236 newsletter, and I was standing by waiting for the Toronto Star to write a column where they apologized for this. And now, they didn't, to right? their Yeah, to their credit. They didn't. They didn't. Why would they have to? It, no, never, it never came up, and yet 
If you were following on Twitter, right, you would think that this was the biggest offense <laughs> that the left liberal Toronto Star had ever committed, you know, not only in calling it roadie, <laughs> but for insulting all of their readers, the entire audience out there, the whole population of the GTA and beyond, you know, for failing to acknowledge that there are cultural significances to this dish. What do you think? I, I <laughs> it's okay for people to be upset. It's and you know what things upset? get upset. They were spending the entire afternoon on Twitter ranting about it. <laughs> I mean, I loved every minute. Um, you, see, well, that, see that you're 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 one of those people that that's that's in there. This is your job is 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 to find these conversations and 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 then the pizza pizza fight was another one. But there was nothing. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there was a, something cultural about that. Well, but, well, the pizza pizza fight, though, I thought was yeah. a was a good representation of multicultural Toronto, right? Because uh, <laughs> here at at at, uh, um, at the corner of Queen and Broadview, right, a late night uh, melee at a pizza pizza, yeah. and you watched the whole thing, didn't you? It was Not terrific. The whole thing. Oh well, get around to it. Come on, Kareem. You, you you you've got to see this thing. You know, here was here was a whole fracas. This yeah. you know big over uh, blowout. Yeah, over the fact that some uh, a woman ordered a pizza to pick up and the delivery was late and she ended up throwing it on the floor and 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 there was all sorts of uh, chaos and commotion. And the fact that you had you know multiracial, multiethnic. Uh, a complete meltdown happening, battle royale about absolutely nothing, and that there didn't seem to be any racial slurs, no. right? Uh, there wasn't any misogyny that anybody could tell. They yeah, were very it was, polite. It was, it, was, it was the most Canadian brawl ever there at Pizza Pizza. And yeah, I, I think we'd want to wish for more of that in society, <laughs> right? Where a whole bunch of people in a Pizza Pizza at 3 in the morning are going absolutely berserk. Listen, if I'm hungry. And, and yet we're, we're all going home happy and, and satisfied. We're all, we're all Canadian. You know, we, we can all uh, have a big collective breakdown and, and, and yet still shake hands in the end. People will do things when they're hungry and angry. I mean, that's all, that's, that's all it was. Someone had a phone. Someone was hungry. Someone was tired. They became hangry, I think is the term. And and and, and all hell broke loose. And there is a, another cell phone there. Uh, and I'm sure there are multiple cell phones that were capturing that, that you know the, this whole event. But you know, back to Rotigate again. Someone someone mispronounces it. Um, it and, and it was a white woman, right? So so it's like let's all gang up on her. Let's let's yeah. target the fact that here's somebody with a job in journalism who is showing That's... by the fact that they can't pronounce a, a word. You know that they should be better plugged into the multiculturalism of Toronto, and, and they're showing their ignorance, their naivete. Uh, you're you're not buying it. I mean, this is the sort of thing I'm you not, laugh about. Listen, I, I laugh about it. Other people laugh about it. Uh, if if this was a different Kareem Kanji sitting here, the last this you know you wouldn't have come here again because how dare you call me Kareem? You know, instead of Kareem, and and to me it's it's no big deal. But to other people, it, they could be very culturally sensitive um you know to to these sorts of things uh, sorry i shouldn't say culturally sensitive just sensitive um you know to these things and because there's a platform for them to go on and to vent and there's up other people there that are looking to create um you know shit out of nothing then you know this is what happens but if you 
were to go to whatever this restaurant was that that this lady went into and say, hey, was it was it was it such a big deal? They say no big deal, man. People are coming here buying rotis all the time. You know, call call it whatever you want. Just pay the whatever amount of money that it costs, and 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 we're happy. You want to eat half of it? Eat half of it. You know. As long as you're paying for the whole thing, there you go. It it doesn't matter. You you, you move on, but you, th- there's always places for people to complain. And guess what? We live in a society where we've got the the ability uh, to, to 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 speak, and 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 so we've got to accept that people are going to gang up on other people because they've mispronounced a word, or you know they just happen to be of a different you know they happen to be white talking about something that you know isn't a white food. I don't know. Okay, Matt Gurney, uh, who's now uh, the morning co-host on AM640, and he writes a column on the Global News website. I guess he's also on Global News. Uh, he had a piece out last week uh, responding to the <laughs> fact that some millennials were, yes. were annoyed, that they felt cheated, that they would not have the opportunity to buy real estate in Toronto, right? The market is shifting a little bit, and maybe yeah. the prices will start to soften um, but, you know, for, for somebody just starting out in, in life, uh, uh, getting into the market uh, seems uh, untenable as ever. So mm-hmm. Matt Gurney comes out with a column. His job in talk radio and whatever he's doing with Global, I mean, he's on multiple hours a day all the time, every, every week, uh, TV, radio, uh, website. Uh, he's, he's all over the place at Global. But, but he finally had a hit online. He finally went viral with with uh, one of his columns simply by making the point mm-hmm. that if you're a young person in Toronto and you can't afford real estate and you want to buy a house, you may just actually have to move somewhere else. Well, listen, my my brother moved to 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 Whitby because he couldn't find anything in Toronto. No, no. Well, he was talking about way beyond Whitby, right? I mean, he was saying <laughs> he was saying wherever. I mean, whatever it takes. People have moved for millennia. This is the whole story of, yeah. of human history, right? Yeah. Moving to another place to try you, and make your life better. I think you want to ask yourself. So if we take a look at it, you know, take a look at that whole issue of real estate in Toronto. Um, you know, if, if today I entered the, the the marketplace with the salary I'm making now, I could probably afford, you know, condo, yes. Um, detached house, I don't know. But now I, now I have a kid. And, you know, our situ- my personal situations have always been behind that curve until now. And now that I've caught up, that real estate price is just way beyond, you know, the, my reach. But I've made a decision. And I don't think people are complaining as much as, as, as Matt and others would like to say that we necessarily want to, quote, unquote, own a home. I think there's, there's a whole real estate um, industry that, that is out there in, in, in Canada that, that talks about real estate ownership. Um, in New York City, very few people own real estate. Uh, in Europe, very few people own. And when I say very few, I mean when we compare it to the numbers in Canada. In Canada, it's sort of a, 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 a thing uh, that you should own your own house. Very few people know that the land that your house is on, you don't own. And sooner or later, the government can and may take it away because they want to build a subway line. But anyways, that, that, that's, that's another thing. There's no land ownership in Canada. I don't know if people know that. 
Okay, so 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 Gurney but, Gurney writes the column yeah, about, so people, about he's taking a rhetorical stance, yes. right? The, the whole the whole purpose this entire exercise is is, is about him, you know, trying to start a conversation. Well, spark, what kind of city? Spark something I would ask up. Matt this. I would I would ask what kind of city do we want Toronto to be? Do we want Toronto to be a homogenous place where you can only live here if you can afford a a million dollar home? Or do we want Toronto to be a city that is vibrant and thriving? Because it's not the people who can afford a million-dollar home that make the arts, that make movies, that make music. It is, it is, it is the people that it's it's starting from the youth and going, you know, and and those who age, which is everyone. I don't know. That sounded just weird. But anyways, it's it's people that what makes a city great is everything outside of the things that you and I do and most people do on a daily basis. It's the things that we love to do on the weekends, right? So whether it is going to the park and playing, you know, whether it is going to an art gallery, whether it's going to a museum, um, whether it's seeing an indie band, um, and the people that build the arts, um, music, entertainment, and all of these things, that make a city a wonderful place that the small little uh, streets that we go on and we buy from the, you know, independent grocers and um, you know, all these cool little neighborhoods are n- mainly not owned by those people who can afford million dollar homes. You know, it's, it's populated and, and built uh, by immigrants who come with a few bucks to the name. It's built by people who love the arts and do a craft that they love uh, and don't have uh, an issue of driving towards making a million dollars. And there's so many more things um, that make a city livable, make a city enjoyable. uh, That is more than just owning a house that is on average a million dollars in Toronto. So I think the Matt Gurney's of the world, I think Treb uh, needs to put the fire to, you know, fire needs to be put to their feet and other real estate boards as well, that, listen, fine, people invest in, 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 in real estate they wanted to appreciate, but guess what? No one's ever bought a home to live in with, you know, saying this is going to go up in value. They buy a home to live in to create memories. My mother will never leave her home unless it goes to someone else in her family. Why? Because that's where the kids grew up. That's where the family grew up. And there's so many stories like that, and that's what's important in the city, not the freaking price of real estate, but because it is so hard to buy a home, and I don't care what they're saying about homes not going up this month, and it, now it's becoming even more and more difficult to even rent, that we have to ask ourselves, guys, this is going to impact what Toronto looks like, and are we willing to live in a city, whether it's Toronto or somewhere else, that does not have the things that make a city enjoyable. It's a good discussion. Yeah. But in putting it out there, the the backlash that Gurney got was you're just another privileged white guy and, and, and the only thing you deserve mm-hmm. is to go away. So, I think, I so think there, 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 there's I think no engagement. Privileged. I think he's privileged. And if he has a house in the greater Toronto area, of course he's privileged. Um, I disagree. I don't know. I don't have an opinion on the white thing. Okay, but but but, but somebody sure. somebody like that should be shouted down. That they should be told that 
any perspective should, you have on this thing. No, but I think it, he should it, be educated. I, I think, but he's, I think he's he working be... for AM640 for Global News. These are we the sh- most. We should know better. Yeah, well, since these these are bigger. These are the most milk toast operations. He, you know, hey, he's not writing for the socialist <laughs> worker here. No, I he's mean, not. he's 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 representing a, a status quo point of view, and right? Listen, and he's he's happy to get all this attention. Yeah, fortunate enough to be paid for it, and I I, I think it it, it 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 speaks back to the matter of of how these debates play out on Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. And and he could do hours and hours of broadcast every week and make this kind of comment on the radio and and it wouldn't have been picked up on to the same degree as it did by putting words on the page there's there's something about the 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 whole thing where you put your byline on the top and Mm -hmm. and some sentences and paragraphs beneath it yeah uh, that that social media responds to in a way that they do nothing else i mean the world of media is enormous Mm -hmm. i mean you work in media Mm -hmm. uh right but 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 what you don't work in is is the area of like writing opinion columns yeah and and we see this focus right on on the genre which uh here here we thought it was dying out uh, that that this whole concept of just like you know uh, 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 coming up with some premise you know a, a thesis it doesn't matter how strong it is you're you're on deadline you have to come up with something to fill the space mm-hmm. uh, that that something presented in that format that specific way of of of, of writing and arguing is able to stir people up like nothing else and 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 this is what is stirring a lot of the outrage uh, yeah. uh, that we see that's out there even though. You know, the next generation has moved on to other platforms, YouTube, sure. Snapchat, Instagram. Yeah. That's the way they express themselves. Absolutely. And the next generation of journalism, of opinion writing, uh, of, of, of the kind of thoughts that enact social change, mm-hmm. maybe they're not going to involve being the next person writing on the, the op-ed page of a newspaper. You know, last time yeah. I checked, that was on its way out. But the way people respond to these commentaries, mm-hmm. yeah, you'd think that there were people uh, that were reading newspapers like never before across Canada and taking their cues about what to think and what to believe you know, yeah. based on what that person with the newspaper column was telling them. I you think know, they're reading headlines. But it doesn't really happen. I yeah. mean, it, 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 it's not going on. It, it never did. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, the, the way of the world is, is not dictated by whoever's writing for... Uh, uh, the Toronto Sun, the Globe Mail, yeah. the Star, hmm. the Post. Yeah, the, these uh, newspapers, the influences ha- has started to fade. And yet at the same time, here we have these you know, young militant people on social media constantly insisting you yeah. know, that if your opinion is wrong, you don't deserve the platform. And you shouldn't be there anymore. And I, I think that's where a lot of this pushback has happened. So when it came to the topic of cultural appropriation, yes, right, which was a word that was thrown around a lot in the yeah. Canada Spring 2017, you know, it uh, how 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 it came up. I, I don't know. Were you able to follow any of these debates? I, I, you know I'm, I'm asking around because there was so much chatter about this, and yet you know, I wonder how people who actually had lives. Outside of following uh, arguments on Twitter, you know how how much stuck with them. Like, what was the point of all this? What what were they trying to say? What what did you get out of it? I, all? I think so. Th- this is great. I mean, I talked to Jay Soul about cultural appropriation, and 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 you know, I I started off that conversation with 
you know, baseball teams and sports teams, you know, so whether it's uh, the Cleveland Indians or the Washington Redskins. Uh, and to him, it was it was more than that. To him, that was sort of low hanging fruit. And I don't, I'm not putting words in his mouth, but, you know, to, to him, that wasn't the, the biggest issue. I think the biggest issue when it comes to cultural appropriation um, is, is, is this, um, you know, when we talk about. You know, we, we, we're just coming off of Canada 150. I, I guess we're celebrating it for the, for the rest of the year here in Canada. Uh, but when we talk about cultural appropriation as it pertains to indigenous peoples, it is, you know, it, celebrating it is not going to your local gift shop and buying a made-in-China dream catcher. <laughs> Dollarama. Dollarama yeah, they, dream catcher. They had catcher. A, a protest right? against it's, us. It's... You know, it, it, it's 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 that sort of stuff. It is, you know, going to, um, you know, the gift shop in your local um, Ontario or Canada park and, and buying something that is um, indigenous in nature, like a soapstone uh, sculpture or something like that, not made by an indigenous artist. Right. That's when we start appropriating that. And I think it's very important because. You know, we're, we're, we've just been, like you said, you know, using the word woke, we've just, and, and I think it's, it's, it's right. I think we need to be more aware. There's more places that you and I can go to and, and get more information and become more educated and become more aware of people's experiences. So when the indigenous people are coming out of residential school systems uh, and being, being, having families torn apart, when... We're having problems with uh, missing and murdered Indigenous women and children and, and can't figure out a way to get this thing started and, and start making proper amends and, and start you know, finding solutions to these problems. Um, when black people are carded left, right, and center, whether it's legal or illegal, that cultural appropriation means these communities here who are trying to not just have a voice but have a place and people who are not from those cultures or from those experiences taking those things and making it their own you know so whether it is you know that lady who said she was inspired um you know her her art collection that she had created that she wanted to display was inspired by another indigenous artist and and you know someone like Soul and others were um protesting against that i understand that because indigenous art isn't given the same opportunity as other people's are so yes we need to take a step back and we need to give people the opportunity to rise and to shine um so when we take these sorts of symbols and we start making money off of them um without saying without calling on the j souls of the world and said hey we want X amount of dream catchers or whatever the case may be. And giving that business to actually indigenous people, when we don't do that, you know, we might feel good about ourselves that, hey, I bought a dream catcher. And there's a dream catcher in my son's room. I can't remember where we got it from. From Dollarama? But every time I look at it, I go, I, I want, where did we get that from? Okay, not from Dollarama. No. I, okay, I but, don't but know. The, the entire history right? of pop culture is based on people of different backgrounds yeah. working together and collaborating you know, to find ways to, to make money off Yes, but things. collaborating is one thing, but appropriating someone's culture for your own. So for that woman that wanted to do the art show, she needs to understand that people aren't against you as an individual. They're against the whole system 
that perpetuates the stereotype that, you know what, indigenous art isn't cool. There might be a couple here or there, but, oh, this is really interesting. And she's got the ability, because she, she whether she knows it or realizes it or agrees with it or not, might come from a position of privilege. And what I mean by privilege is not you're born rich or you're born white. I look at myself in the mirror and I know I come from a position and a place of privilege. Why? Because we were given a place to live. We call it Canada, right? Um, we were given that. We, we were invited to settle here. We didn't have to line up for years to get in the country. So there's a position of privilege. You know, my, my uncle, um, I don't want to say he had his home given to him by a government program, but basically it was made so much affordable for his family. So he comes from a position of privilege. No, we're not white, but we, we understand our privilege. We, you know, fortunate enough to be university educated. Well, you know what? There's thousands of children that not because you're not smart, but because they're in positions that are not able to access, right? So when people, you know, there's this cartoon that has gone around about equality, right? That everyone should stand on the same size box, you know, to look over the baseball field. I don't know if you've seen this cartoon. It's not the same size. It's not equality is not standing on the same size box. It's equality of opportunity. What opportunity does, uh, does an if, if an indigenous child, just because of where they live, because of where they're forced to live, has less of an opportunity than my kid to go to a school and be educated, something's not right there. doesn't mean that I don't put my son into the best schools that I can give. It's what can I do to make sure that that indigenous child or any child has that same opportunity to succeed. And I think that's what we need to do. So when we talk about cultural appropriation, it's not about you and me getting together and figuring out how can, how can we make something better, right? But how can you and I work together to make those people that that whose culture has been put down when, when our, our former prime ministers have said the whole purpose of the Indian Act is to take the in, is to take the Indian out of these people and to make them quote unquote European. That's a huge problem that that continues to be perpetuated to this day. And so we need to take a step back and we need to pause and we need to say how do we fix that shit, right? So that we can be proud when Canada 200 or prouder when Canada 200 so that we can wear a Canadian flag and say, you know what? We're, we're, we're moving forward now. We're not just seeing something. It's not enough that Justin Trudeau has a tattoo of a, a Haida, you know, symbol on his arm. The reason that those women got upset in that press conference, uh, I don't know if it was on Canada Day or just before or just after, wasn't because they didn't like the question. What, the, what it was insinuating, what I got out of it, because I listened to it, I saw the press conference, and it wasn't that they, they were just upset because they were upset. They were upset with the notion that we can bow, put, a, put, the, put Harper and Trudeau on a scale and say, which one do you prefer? It ain't about which one do you prefer. It's about you know 500 or thousands of years of being put down. We need to bring them back up. So do you stick up for the activist who responds to a question from a journalist? Mm -hmm. right, Julie Van Dusen from CBC News, mm -hmm. a veteran parliamentary reporter, mm -hmm. and responds to the question by telling her, you're a white lady. You don't have a place here to ask that kind of question. You don't have a right to ask that kind of question. I can You're a white lady. I can see the anger. 
and I can understand the anger. Absolutely, I can understand that. Hey, if I had asked that, listen, people have been angry with me, and sometimes I have to look in the mirror and say, I didn't say anything wrong, but I understand what that person heard. And I think too often we take things at face value and we never take a look at the historical perspective. These women weren't fighting for today. They weren't fighting for whether to celebrate Canada 150 or not. They've been fighting for years. Canada 150 just had a spotlight that they were able to get into and say, hey, you guys are now listening to Canada 150. Now listen to us. Uh, uh, Gavin McInnes, does that name ring a bell with you? It does. Where He's do I know that? He's a bit of a from? buffoon. He's got a fraternity <laughs> called the Proud Boys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Those guys and, and, that interrupted. Yeah, that's right, in, oh. in Halifax. Now, now, uh, in a previous life, he was a co-founder of Vice magazine. Uh, really? They ended up buying him out before it became a bigger media empire, but originally when it was a, a kind of uh, alter- so alternative of culture magazine in Montreal. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was uh, the I main editorial driver of the whole thing back then. Uh, and, and now he's moved to the alt-right, and oh. he's the main architect of the Proud Boys. So I guess you clued into this incident that happened in Halifax, yeah. Canada Day weekend. Yeah. That was that was disturbing. It was uh, five members of the Canadian forces that mm-hmm. showed up there. Yeah, I'm glad they're not in the forces anymore. Wearing their uh, Fred Perry uh, shirts. Uh, Gavin McInnes nominated this as, as a uniform. A whole code of conduct about how you should behave. One of the things that a lot of the stories picked up on was the fact that uh, uh, Gavin advocates that they should uh, uh, limit their uh, masturbatory activities <laughs> in order to uh, stay strong. Yeah. And, uh, you know, people eat this stuff up because it is all beyond the pale as far as uh, giving you advice for how to live your life. Um, nevertheless, they interviewed Gavin McInnes on the CBC Power and Politics, right? And they gave him like a five, six, seven-minute spot to say whatever he liked to defend their behavior Mm -hmm. uh, at this demonstration, at Mm -hmm. this uh, statue of uh, Cornwallis in Halifax. Yeah. And the backlash was pretty severe. Uh, People wondering, why is uh, the Canadian public broadcaster giving this guy time Mm -hmm. to speak unchallenged uh, 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 about something that uh, most people uh, concluded was kind of racist. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he got away with it. And the next day they, they came on the air to uh, apologize for the fact that they didn't uh, uh, run a, a, an opposing voice for somebody to balance it out. They tried to uh, uh, make up for it a day later. Yeah. They explained uh, the fact that uh, uh, the same uh, uh, Gavin McInnes was under fire for making anti-Semitic comments mm-hmm. on a trip to Israel a few months earlier. That They, they didn't acknowledge that. Same guy. Same guy. Oh, so, yeah, 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 so, yeah, yeah. So where do you stand oh, on, on the idea that somebody like that, by virtue of causing a commotion, yes, right, by 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 bringing out a, a, a point of view that has otherwise been confined to certain corners of the internet by bringing it out yeah. in public, uh, do you think that he deserves a forum to be heard, to be interviewed, to be uh, uh, given a platform for his side of the story, or are we better off just ignoring it and pretending that it never happened? A little bit of both. I think he can go on Twitter and do whatever he wants there. Um, I think that. 
and and this has been happening in in media for uh, at least a couple of years ever since you know um, you know Trump and Hillary uh, started fighting each other um, for the presidency of the U, uh, for you know the election uh, that happened last year in the states. This whole idea that the media is trying to give a, a balanced perspective on things, um, where the only bad thing that they could figure out to do was talk about Hillary's emails when there was a million and one things bad about Trump. Uh, but because there was only one thing bad about Hillary, they kept on harping on the emails, the emails, the emails. And that became so huge that it eventually, what I think, um, you know, cost her the election, all because the media felt that they wanted to be balanced. And I'm curious whether CBC took a look at having Gavin McInnes on as, hey, everyone says that what the Proud Boys did was bad. Um, let's try to balance this conversation out and have Gavin McInnes on. Well, guess what, Mita? You're, 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 you're not in the business of trying to balance the national conversation. At least I don't think so. Um, you're, you're obviously, you know, if we talk about the business of it, you're in the business of selling ad space. But, you know, that being said... Um, if something is wrong, doesn't mean you need to give it space and voice and life to balance out the conversation because everyone's talking about how what they did was wrong uh, and we can all agree on that and we can all move on from that. I think that's what should have happened. I think we gave way too much life to this, just like we're giving way too much life to those people who claim to be patriotic Canadians saying that we should not give somebody who was tortured as a Canadian child his just dues. Uh, I think it's the same um, overarching umbrella that, that we're trying to, to balance these things. But the, the news media needs heroes and villains. The way the game is but played, well, they need a Gavin McInnes. Because he's somebody that is, is now think... recognized and you can put his face on a story, even if the point that you're making mm -hmm. is everything that this guy says is terrible. But I think there's a way to do it. I, th I think there's a way to position it. For example, you know, if, if we agree on we need heroes and villains because that's what makes stories interesting or that's what sells ad space, I'll give you that. Um, I think there's a way you do it. I think, you know, uh, this whole art of investigative journalism um, is the way that it can be done, where you, where somebody could interview Gavin McInnes. And instead of saying, you know what, we need this show to be out in half an hour or we need this to fit into a time constraint and, you know, we need some content for power and money. Well, you know what, maybe you need to take a couple of weeks. Maybe you need to take a couple of months and put together something that you can be proud of long term and put it out there. But you know what, fortunately or unfortunately, we live in a world uh, where uh, money talks and media is under the gun to try to make as much money as possible as quickly as possible. So they unfortunately don't have time to sit back and, you know, and build this up for a month, not build it up, but create something over a long period of time. That's actually something that they can be proud of. Rather, they say, you know what? We can get Gavin on. We can't get an indigenous person on. It doesn't matter. We got to fill this 30 minutes. A bunch of old-school, heritage-front racists met at the Toronto Library last week, right, in the uh, Richview branch in Etobicoke. Yeah. It was a memorial a service. Dozen or so? I, I don't know the number. It wasn't yeah. a, a, a big deal. Uh, uh, the, the lawyer who defended Ernst Zundel 
a name that, that yes, uh, yes, yes. came up a drink. lot in the 1990s. Yeah, uh, 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 and uh, she she backed up uh, a lot of these people in court uh, who were charged with hate crimes at the time. Uh, she passed away. They had a memorial service for it. Was booked in the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, this somehow uh, came to light, and uh, Mayor John Tory spoke out about it. But the library stuck to its guns mm-hmm. and said, uh, "We're not in the business here of policing speech. Mm-hmm. And if nothing illegal is said in this memorial service, there's nothing we can do about it." They're they're pretty in a, in, in a hard spot, right? You know, it, it's so. I've tried to figure out where I stand on this issue, and 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 I don't know where I land. Uh, but I, I'll tell you this: uh, I'm against hate speech. Uh, I'm against Nazis. Um, I'm against uh, Holocaust deniers. Uh, I'm against evil. Uh, that aside, um, I also understand that um, if we had said no. On either side, this issue is going to come out in the media. Because by saying yes, they're in the media. By saying no, you know, Gavin McInnes or somebody from Rebel would have put this out there. And, you know, we would have been talking about it anyway. So either way, they're in a hard spot if, they, if they're trying to not be in the media. Well, but yeah, the, the, the argument is book the room tomorrow to have a meeting against these people. If you disagree with them. There you go. That's an idea. You can get in there as easily as they could. That's an idea. That's what these library rooms are for, after all. But but, uh, look what happens, right? Uh, uh, The way things have evolved Mm -hmm. in social media is that all of these uh, uh, Heritage Front members and people that were associated with, you know, the neo-Nazis of Toronto a generation Mm -hmm. ago— you know, this goes back to the early 1990s. They had their own telephone line uh, going. It was the Heritage Hotline, and some guy would make some cranky comment. You know, stuff that, uh, I guess, compared to the things you can find on the Internet today, was all pretty tame. You know, yeah. Just, just uh, uh, taking this uh, rhetorical perspective uh, on, on, on the way things should be and, you know, who the who the heroes and, and villains were uh, from, from their perspective. You know, now they're in this new media environment, mm-hmm. right? Where the alt right has become this uh, uh, buzzword, this 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 dominant force, all part of the narrative. Um, and I don't know how they feel about this. Uh, it, it it seems like they're reveling in it. That they think this is terrific. You know about about the fact that they were just once once a bunch of cranks on the fringes of society hmm. that nobody was caring about. Now all of a sudden they're getting coverage. Yeah. Like they're superstars, you know, be, be, because uh, we, we've, we've evolved here or devolved in the media environment, you know, to the fact that any crank going on about anything is considered a potential menace. And maybe it's better to just ignore these people and hope they go away. I don't know what you think. I, like you, you said, you're conflicted, right? I, I, I mean, do we shine a light on it or, or, or not? You know, the, the, the Proud Boys held some sort of uh, uh, rally at Queen's Park, and, and, and members of uh, Antifa, anti-fascists, showed up to oppose them. Sure. There was a write-up in the Toronto Sun that I think captured it perfectly. You know, the fact that it was an entirely exasperating experience. You know, to watch two groups going at each other. After a while, you didn't know who was on which side. Yeah. You know, they were, they were showing up, you know, ready for a rumble. You know, all, all, all militant and, you know, trying to shout each other down. And you didn't know who the good guys and bad guys were. 
The problem here is it all comes down to the media. Um, oh, you're blaming the media. Well, it, it's them who's covering it, right? It's them who, who writes the article. Well, and it bubbles up, right? Well, it Through bubbles Twitter up. Twitter and Facebook them, and, right? and Reddit and different forums. You know, uh, the, you, you can, the stuff is seeded somewhere, and it's yeah. given this authority. It's it's granted more more power than it than it's ever had before because it's a quick fix. It's a way to find you know some somebody's somebody's mad about something on the internet Listen, somewhere. Media, you know, we we we've got a story. A woman walks into a medical clinic in Mississauga, right? Mm-hmm. Starts venting about the fact that she wants a white doctor. Yeah. You remember that story? Yeah. Well, listen, and, and that 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 in itself that was enough for columns and, and and coverage all over the place. They blurred out her face in the uh, Canadian media. They said it was to protect the child. You know, that itself became a point of contention because TV stations are, are are looking for eyeballs online. They're looking for inventory on radio. They're looking to fill airtime. Uh, in newspapers, they're they're looking to fill pages so that other pages can be filled with. With advertising, um, and and so whatever story they can find, that people are then today going to click on and then share and then amplify, they're go they're going to do, whether that's right or wrong, that's where they're going. That's what they're going to do because that's what today's media landscape looks like. It's a place where. Money needs to be made, and whatever the quickest path to make that money is, is the path that they will take. Um, as 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 consumers of the media, we now have the opportunity to click on what we want. So when I go on my Google now, and and I swipe, you know, from my homepage left, I get all these new news articles. Okay, and the first one that comes up here is by Fortune, Netflix earnings. Well, I can click here if I don't want to know about this, and I can click on I'm not interested in Netflix, and then Google will never show me another Netflix story again, or I'm not interested in stories from Fortune. And I can do that with every single article that I can do. So I can be someone who wants to be informed and enlightened and want really important information, or I can be someone who's just going to sit back and look at Twitter and see, you know, what it, what is my tribe clicking on and forwarding and amplifying and just do that. Or I can just go on my Facebook page and what are my friends talking about and just read that sort of stuff. I can do whatever it is that I want to do. But the media is the one that seeds it. I'm the one that gives it growth. You and I are the ones that give it growth. Um, and so, you know... If this group of people are in the library doing this meeting, if some news outlet thinks it's important and other news outlets want to jump on the story because they think it's important because their algorithms are saying to them, people are going to click on this shit. Well, that's the story that we're going to be fed. What we're not going to be fed, you know, is the stuff that shows up in National Observer, right? The, the stuff that takes the Bruce Livesies of the world months to investigate, weeks to write, and people will read it once and then forget about it. That's the really important stuff. The stuff that comes out, you know, in the Toronto Star, I think it's on Saturdays in the insight section, you know, where there's two or three pages of some really insightful stuff. Like it or not, you, you know just by looking at it 
that that took lots of effort and that took lots of time. Well, I hate to break it to you, Kareem, but the stakes keep getting lower and lower. They do. And 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 and, and so so does the payoff, right? So you know, here, here I am trying to develop one of those models, mm-hmm. some sort of approach, you know, to take a perspective that can hopefully uh, uh, generate some rewards and you know, be worth something to a big publishing company yeah. you know, simply by being a, a mirror on everything that's out there. So you know, for me, it's it, it, it's been a journey of the last couple of years mm-hmm. of, of trying to weed through a, a, a whole lot of arguments online, a lot of social justice journalism, you know, think pieces and hot takes and takedowns, you know, that, yeah. that simply exist to either stir some sort of outrage or build somebody's brand, you know, filter out all of the nonsense mm-hmm. you know, that is when I'm not celebrating it, when we don't <laughs> find something that's so ridiculous that it's that it's worth amplifying, yeah. um, and, and uh, turning it into something that as many people as possible can relate to. So that means, you know, ha- having to find a voice, a, a, a point of view, you know, that, that shows some sort of uh, 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 superiority, you know, some sort of um, uh, supremacy mm-hmm. over uh, where information is going, you know, uh, an ability to uh, synthesize ev- everything that's out there. Um, and and at the same time, you know, not bog people down mm-hmm. you know, with with uh, attitudes and, and and perspectives and uh, uh, diversions that don't really mean anything to them. Yeah. So it's up to you to tell me if I'm doing a good job or not. And I guess my reason for coming here you know, <laughs> is to uh, catch up with you and 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 see where you're at. I think a lot of what you had to say here will inform uh, uh, where, where I take things in the next little while. Here I am trying to flatter you <laughs> and Don't take make it. you feel like you have that kind of influence and impact. Look, there you go. You're on big time AM talk radio now. <laughs> this isn't just some rinky dink podcast. 15 minutes every month, unpaid gig, but whatever, right? It's, 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 it is what it is. Yeah, you, you got to own it, Kareem. You, you only get one shot. That's true. Listen, thanks so much for coming by. Thank you, Kareem, and I'm glad to get the pronunciation of your name right.